gender inequality in Mexico, Gen Z's response to mental health issues, and sustainable living. I talked with Marion all the way from Mexico about her experience and her thoughts on these issues. It was so wonderful to hear from her, so let's go ahead and get started. Welcome. Um, Why don't we start out with some introductions? Could you say your name, um, your age, your pronouns, where you're from? So, uh, hi, my name is Marianne Palacios, but you can call me Marianne. Um, I'm fine with that. And I'm 16 years old. I'm about to turn 17. And I'm from Mexico, and my preferred pronouns are she and her. Awesome. So wonderful to meet you. I know I'm meeting you for the first time. So it's great to have you here. And I know that you have recently been working on your own Model United Nations organization and conference. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about why you decided to do so and sort of the process so far. Um, Yeah, so, uh, well, the conference already happened. It was, well, it took place on August the, oh my gosh. August the 30th and August the 31st. And um, well, we had delegates from all over the globe. It was actually a lot of them, but it was actually a lot of work as well. Um, And well, the idea came uh, from my personal interest in Mali UN. Uh, It has been something really important for me, especially in the past year, because it has really shown me uh, what I'm capable of. And it's kind of like um, shown me a path that I could follow in the future. So um, yeah, it, it was just something I really wanted to do, especially because I had just participated in a model that uh, was, well, that, you know, had a cost. And I said, okay, maybe we could, um, you know, make it a charity model. And then all the money that we get, we can donate it to you know, any organization. So that's what we did. And yeah, it was, I mean, I had a lot of fun, especially because I got to work with a lot of my friends. Uh, but at the same time, it is a lot of work. So maybe if I ever do that, like again in the future, I would, um, I would rather be a little bit more organized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's amazing. I think my understanding of Model UN, basically what I've done in the past is you represent a country and you write a resolution and like m- pretend to present it to the United Nations General Assembly or St- Security Council and all those things. So is that like what you simulated and did you have to do it online? Yeah, uh, so that's what we did and we actually had to do it online, which was another um another challenge because you know uh everyone's like transitioning to this online uh, system so i had to um yeah help a lot of delegates who had no idea how to use the platform because we were using microsoft teams and um you know just in general it was it was a challenge on its own it was online, it was global, so you had to do all of that organizing. So what do you think the biggest challenge of the conference was? Um, I would say commitment, because something I've realized is that, I mean, in general, in Model UN conferences, uh, there's always 
amount of people that are not going to show up. But in online conferences, that number is even higher. So uh, if you had, you know, if, even a small number, so like 10 delegates in your committee, maybe only five are going to show up. So that's a challenge because, you know, um, well, you have to figure out how to work with only five delegates. It's a bit tough. Yeah, I had the same thing happen to me recently. I was so excited for this big event. 80 people signed up and probably less than 50 actually came. Oh my God. It's like, that's how it goes with, you know, it was a Zoom event. So things come yeah. up all the time and it's COVID and quarantine and everything's crazy for everybody. So I understand that, but I've, I don't yeah. know where you're coming from. <laughs> when you were planning it and you know getting people to help you and getting people to attend and do all the work for it and all of that did you ever feel like you were doubting your actions because people weren't listening to you because you were a girl or yeah do you think your gender ever got in the way of planning the conference not really I mean I had some interesting things happen to me but uh at least with the organizing team uh it was it was all pretty great. Uh, most of them are like real close friends of mine. So we have a lot of respect for each other. Um, but I did have, uh, well, I was managing the Instagram account and the, you know, Gmail account and, and everything. And I had a lot of people call me sir. Um, which was interesting because you know, I I made it very clear. I, I, I thought I had made it very clear, but I had a lot of delegates that would call me sir, which was really funny to me. So I was like, like I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just sort of that ingrained, people are just used to it, you know? They're not used to having women be yeah. in the position that you were in. So that can be a little bit awkward. <laughs> so did you just like point it out to them? Did you just correct them? and they just moved on well not always i mean i honestly i was focused on a lot of things so uh really correcting people on my pronouns was like not my priority but i think i corrected like one delegate and they were like super nice um so yeah but for the most part i i just ignored it to be honest yeah, usually it's just easier to just like move on and you yeah. know, more important things. So outside of the conference, kind of the same question. Have you ever felt like being a woman in maybe your community or like your whole country or like the whole area you live in? Has that ever gotten in the way of something? Yeah, yeah, actually it, it has in the sense that sometimes people uh, don't don't uh, expect as much from you, you know? Uh, so if you're good at something, if you like something uh, that is normally associated with like, uh, you know, things that men like, they're like, oh, that's weird. Also like I shaved my head back in April. So when I went out, which was not like very often, you know, we're in quarantine, uh, people would look at me like very weird. Um, personally, you know, I, I do acknowledge that I'm very privileged that, you know, I, I go to a private school and, you know, I feel safe where I'm at. 
So uh, personally, most of my experiences have been of just people doubting that I'm capable of doing so. Uh, but in general, you know, I do acknowledge that I have a better quality of life than a lot of women do in this country. You said more than a lot of other women do in your country. So like, what did you mean by that exactly? Yeah, so, um, well, there's this thing called feminicide or femicide. I'm not sure how you call it in English, but it's pretty much when you, you know, it's the murder of the woman because of her gender uh, or gender-based reasons. And it is something that has been on the rise in Mexico, which is like really scary, you know? Because, um, well, the fact that you don't feel safe around like men or walking alone or whatever is like very scary, you know? And um, I can't remember the statistic, but last time I read it, it said something along the lines that um, around 10 or 11 women die uh, from feminicide every month. Sorry, no, not every month, every day in Mexico, which is very sad, you know, <laughs> and really concerning. And, you know, it really shows that uh, this country still has a lot to do when it comes to that, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I guess that's what I'm mostly talking about, but in general, you know, I think um, gender equality is still something that we have to work on. Yeah, I've been seeing on social media, like Twitter and Instagram and stuff recently, a lot of pictures from the protests in Mexico against femicide, femicide, feminicide, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, I've I've seen that it's it's been getting a lot of traction lately in the news here too. So I know like for example in my community, um, when we talk about current events and stuff, there's a lot of trigger warnings or conversations that, you know, like if this is heavy content and if you think it's gonna affect your mental health, just be aware. And there's a lot of support groups for different issues. Like for example, there's a support group that I know of for eating disorders in my community and one for bullying in general and assault and stuff. So like, do you think that your community has that infrastructure as well? Or do you see a need for more or less? I think there is the need of improvement when it comes to, you know, just mental health and how people perceive it in general. Um, you know, I'm very open about it. Uh, so I, I've struggled with depression and anxiety uh, for a very long time, but there's still a lot of people who, uh, you know, when you mention it, they look at you like, you know, they give you a weird look. And uh, especially, you know, uh, growing up in a very Catholic um, environment, there's always people just telling you, well, uh, you're, you're like this because, you know, you're not praying enough. You're not, you know, you're not religious enough, stuff like that, which is, uh, I think it's, you know, a little bit hindering when it comes to, you know, improving someone's mental health. Um, you know, a lot of people associate, you know, um, depression with, with just being lazy or exaggerated or things like that. Uh, so I do think there's a lot of improvement that needs to be done because um, 
well, there's a lot of people who clearly, like you see them and you know that they're, you know, that they have some issues, but that cannot open up or cannot uh, find, you know, the proper, the proper help because there isn't like that conversation about mental health. And I know that at least in my community, there's a lot of the conversation about mental health is coming only from people our age, like Gen Z, or maybe like a little bit older than us. Do you see a disconnect between young people and adults in terms of the conversation about mental health in your community as well? Absolutely. Uh, like, you know, I, I see how my classmates, my friends, uh, my, my siblings talk about mental health and, you know, how most of us have at least a general idea of what we're talking about. And how, for example, my parents are, you know, completely different. And how uh, for them, you know, dealing with whatever stuff, wh whatever they have to deal with, it's like, you know, uh, it's hard. And, you know, let alone my grandparents who don't even talk about that stuff, you know. Um, for example, for my grandma, it's, it's kind of a taboo, you know, she's like, I don't know, she, she doesn't like people talking about all that, all those things because uh, they make her uncomfortable because that's what uh, she was taught, you know, that mental health is just, you know, people being exaggerated, people being lazy. So uh, I definitely see that there's, um, you know, a difference between like our generation and the other generations. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of youth movements. Are there a lot of like organizations and movements in your area that are largely youth led? Like can you think of any examples or or I don't know, just like describe any of them? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I'm not I'm trying to think of any and I'm pretty sure there are, you know? Um but no, I don't think, I'm not sure, honestly. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's definitely, I think that also kind of shows like how it's not a very talked about issue in most communities, right? And like, yeah. there are resources available, most people aren't even aware in the first place. I guess when, we, when you're like relating mental health to like the world, like as a whole, <laughs> and like your experience with the world, has there ever, have you, maybe in your experience or someone else's experience or, or just stories you've heard, um, has like gender and mental health ever been correlated? Like, have you ever felt that, you know, being doubted for your gender or something like that in your, like your own experience or someone else's experience has gotten in the way of your mental health? <laughs> yes, I think it has a lot to do with like gender roles, especially. Like I've noticed that, for example, um, you know, and my dad, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's not very accepting of talking about what's going on with him or like, you know, just opening up about his feelings about, you know, just those kinds of things. And, um, you know, on the other hand, there's, you know, this expectation for women to act a certain way. So when you're not acting like that, uh, because 
you really can't because you don't feel like it then um yeah you always get comments like oh you should smile more and stuff like that which i've gotten from my teachers it really annoys me because i'm just like well i can't you know um also now that you mentioned it i i just remembered once um i was in middle school i was probably like in seventh grade eighth grade something like that and um you know we had this math teacher and you know you know how middle school is that uh period time period where you're like very vulnerable and very prone to developing some sort of like mental health issues uh, and i remember this math teacher um you know brought like this scale and weighed us all in front of the classroom and you know wrote the numbers on the board and everything and whenever he considered that a girl was overweight he would you know make comments about that and i remember how after and you know first of all he only did it with the girls uh the boys were like you know um yeah they they weren't even taken into consideration and i remember that a lot of uh you know my classmates really had an issue with their weight after that because you know as girls they were expected to be skinnier which like none of us were you know overweight so it was it was you know i think it's mostly gender roles which play like a really big part when it comes to this i think a lot of things like that have also happened you know in my experience as well so it's, i feel like it's pretty universal the way that that you know no matter the society or anything girls are always expected yeah. to meet a certain beauty standard um and even if it's not health related like a lot of people claim that weight correlates directly with health and i just yeah it's just such an issue and i feel like that, that can have such a long lasting impact on a girl's self-image to be told at such a young age that you're overweight or like your weight is bad you know yeah a lot of and especially from like a 50 year old teacher like what does he know you know it's like uh, exactly yeah how either how would you address it or like what advice would you have for other girls put in those kind of situations i think it uh you know it would be to you know just remember that you're a valuable human no matter what and that um you know, if there's something you don't like and you feel that it is wrong, you have all the right to, you know, um, speak your mind and say, you know, what you think should improve. And, uh, you know, if the authorities at your school, at your job, wherever, don't allow you to, you know, just express yourself, you know, just don't get tired because you eventually will get the word. Cool. I guess. Love it. I guess I kind of just want to know like what your future plans are. Like, <laughs> what do you want to be? Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, how did your experience with the conference kind of influence that? And yeah. 
Yeah, so, um, well, there's a few things I, I have in, my, in mind. Um, you know, I, I know I want to study, there's this program called uh, Philosophy, Politics, and Economics, and is it is abroad, so I, I definitely have to have to leave. Um, but I am very eager. Like I'm just, you know, excited uh, for whatever the future is um, for me. And yeah, I, I think that 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 that's it. Uh, you know, I'm planning on learning a couple of languages. Um, you know. I'm retaking French because I really enjoy French, but I forgot most of it. So uh, there's that. And yeah, I'd say that that would be it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I thought that you were also interested in sustainability. Um, yeah. So like, what kind of work do you, do you do any work or like, you know, what, what makes you passionate about sustainability in general and like? Well, honestly, uh, it's been, you know, it's been very recent, like, um, you know, during this quarantine, I remember the first couple of weeks, my room was a mess, you know, and I, I was just cleaning everything because my mom made me, and I, I found so much garbage and stuff I, I would never, like, I will never use again, and just a lot of waste. And it made me like really upset because I've always been this person that, you know, uh, when I'm hanging out with friends, I'm always like, oh, yeah, you should probably not buy that because it has plastic on it. You should probably not buy that because it's, it is fast fashion. But then I, you know, I realized, well, I am doing something very similar. So, you know, it's been a short sorry, a slow process uh, because of course, you know, when you live with your family, convincing them, you know, to abandon some of their, you know, their, the stuff that they like is, is a bit tough, but, um, you know, I, I think once I get my family to adopt more sustainable, um you know just methods in general uh yeah I, I will feel very accomplished honestly yeah and i think it's like important to recognize that we can criticize and try to change systems while also living in those systems simultaneously because sometimes there just isn't another choice yet so yeah we can kind of like make changes and make sure that we are not contributing to the problem, but also acknowledge that there isn't much that we can do until big societal changes happen. So yeah, that So is there anything that you like would like to say? Like do you have any like projects you're working on that you want the audience to be involved in or anything like that before I kind of like end it off? <laughs> well not at the moment, uh but I do have to say that, um, wait, can I tell you a story? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So, um, you know, as I already told you, I am like very invested in this whole like gender equality thing because I think it's like super important, right? 
And um, well, I don't know. As, well, as I was telling you, the you know the whole gender equality and gender violence in Mexico is like it's like terrible, right? So um, I remember back in like February, we were you know we were all very concerned because you know a lot of cases of women just getting murdered because of gender reasons uh, were uh, coming up in the news. And we were all just like very concerned. And I remember feeling very powerless. And uh, then there was this initiative to, um, you know, just go to the Women's March on the 8th of March. And then on the 9th, uh, if you were a woman, you wouldn't go outside or you wouldn't um, go to your job, to school, you know, be on the internet, etc. I even remember in like um, DMing a lot of like feminist pages and being like, hey, could you like promote this? We, we would really uh, appreciate it. They never responded, but I was like so invested in it. All my friends were, um, you know, very committed to it. And I remember that my school you know, I go to a very conservative school. So they canceled it. They said, you know what, we're, we're at first they told us that they were supporting, uh, supportive of, you know, the initiative. And then they canceled it. And, um, you know, we were all in shock because, you know, it's a big issue. Like, you know, and in a school that, um, you know, where girls are the majority, we really wanted to showcase like what it is, like what a world without, you know, women in general would be like. And so we decided to make this, well, the, yeah, the high school like sections decided to, uh, you know, just make this kind of like tiny protest at school on March uh, 10th. And I remember just my school not being cool with it at all. <laughs> like, I remember them just saying that we were like exaggerating that, you know, we didn't need feminism and that, you know, we were probably just doing it because we didn't want to go to class. You know, just like very, weird things and uh, yeah I don't know I feel like since then instead of me feeling like um you know like it wasn't worth it anymore I felt angered and therefore now uh, like I almost use every opportunity to you know just say what's on my mind and you know just kind of advocate from, for, uh, you know, the things that matter to me. So, you know, I guess that would be another thing I'd like, you know, people to rem remember that, um, you know, if people just try to shut you down, just, you know, use that as motivation. It, it really works. Like, in my experience, it really works. So, yeah, that'd be it. <laughs> it's so true that good things can come out of a lot of situations that might seem really bad like it seems like this has really energized you and made you 
even more passionately focused. So I think yeah. that's, that's like, that's great. And it's pretty inspiring too. So those are some wonderful last words. So it's been great to have you. Thank you for coming on this podcast. Um, and oh, I thank you for having me. Of course. And yeah, I can't wait to see all the things that you do. Oh, thank you so much. And with that, we'll wrap up this episode. Huge thank you to Marion for being here and remember to follow at Lead Hership Conference on Instagram and get involved with my mission. Have an amazing week and we'll see you next Sunday here on the Lead Hership Podcast. Wear your masks, social distance, and stay safe until we see you next. Mm-hmm.